This should be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Oh, Better get ready. Yeah! Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. Do it. And welcome, everyone. Hour number two of two underway here on the game. 1037 Live. Hit on 1041 Lake Charles. It's the world famous CD with you for this beautiful. Louisiana Saturday morning. Appreciate you listening in. Be it through the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, the free mobile apps, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, and also your favorite smart speakers, namely your Amazon Echo, for instance. Just tell your Alexa to play the game, Southwest Louisiana, and boom, there we are. Absolutely love the first hour. Great conversation with Steve Robertson. Part of 24-7 Sports. Got Ross Jackson coming on, as always, in hour number two at the bottom of the 10 o'clock hour. But now's the time where I get to have a little bit of fun and talk about what's going on in the world of sports betting on Louisiana Saturday morning. And more importantly, give you an idea of what my picks to click are for this weekend. Let's go ahead and fire it up, Daryl. The world-famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I ain't going to lie. I got cooked this weekend. Like, when I say got cooked, it was on another level this past weekend with some of the picks to click, namely the parlays that got thrown down that you heard on this show. I'll start off with the Saints-Falcons, then we'll get to last week's actual Fave 5 parlay. Had Saints money line, Alvin Kamari anytime touchdown score, Cal Pitts touchdown scorer, Plus 45 rushing yards for Alvin Kamara. Over 169.5 passing yards for Jameis Winston. Only two things that hit were the Saints money line and Jameis Winston passing yards. And the Saints barely won that ball game last night. Absolutely a head scratcher of a ball game this past Sunday. Now first off, I'll admit it. I've been kicking my own ass the last week. Because I did not lay down money on plus 20 and a half on the Texas-Alabama game. I debated that for days. And then I talked with Monty Hanks, the play-by-playboys of the Acadian Ohio Wrecking Rams on 97.7 MeTV FM. He's like, yeah, I think Alabama's going to win big against Texas. I was like, I kind of was thinking it was going to be covered, but then all of a sudden, just that alone set me off. I said, nope, I'm not betting that 20 and a half. I swear, second quarter rolls around. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Absolutely mind-numbing. Losing that game, 
Texas, they had no business winning that game, but damn it, it was the one of the most competitive games of the year at plus 20 and a half. Definitely a big dub for them, but I absolutely got trounced in the picks to click last weekend. Arkansas State plus 44 was the only one in the parlay that hit. Bengals lost in a embarrassing fashion. Damn near tied that game. Damn near had a tie. Over 64 and a half points for Georgia State, North Carolina. Literally two points away. That's where I'm really kind of like, got, got, I need some Boudreaux's butt paste for how butthurt I am over that one. Georgia State, North Carolina had the over because obviously North Carolina put up like 5 million points against App State the week before. So all I needed was a field goal or, or some score in the fourth quarter. And here's the thing. The Panthers are down by a touchdown. They decide to play ultra-conservative football and are starting to run it on third and eight. Like, why are you doing it that way? A third and eight conversion. Like, third and eight and you're running the football. And they played that the rest of the way, and the UNC just ate up the rest of the clock, and that one didn't hit. Mind you, again, all the other ones fell apart faster than the Atlanta Falcons did this past weekend in the fourth quarter, which you always love to see. But when I see an over like that not hit because another team just is waving the white flag when they still have a chance to win the damn game, it's maddening to me. And I'll never understand that kind of mentality in a year be it 2022 or 2042, if I'm being quite honest. So last week, got a little little cute with some of the picks this past weekend. So we're going to go ahead and play a little bit safer to at least get some money and salvage the start of this college football season and NFL season because your boy got cooked like my name was Chef Kurt. So let's go ahead and get this going. Pick number one. I'm going to go with a quarterback prop here in the Georgia-South Carolina game. I like the early slate here. I don't like money lines in this kind of game or spreads because I feel like South Carolina could get their butts handed to them. And I went back and forth on this. And I'm probably going to come back here next Saturday and say, hey, I should have gone the other direction because I saw over under one and a half touchdowns for the former Oklahoma quarterback, you know, Spencer Rattler. But I feel a little more confident in over two and a half passing touchdowns for Stetson Bennett. I think Georgia wins and wins big. So I wouldn't be surprised if he gets at least three touchdowns in this ball game. That's at plus 105. Again, a parlay. We're going to all put it together and give you an idea of how much you can net if you place a $5 wager on this parlay. Then I'm going to go money line here. On another 11 o'clock game, Oklahoma-Nebraska. I'm taking the money line for one specific reason. I think Nebraska pulls a backdoor cover, but I'm not necessarily sure if it's a 100% lock. The Kevin Foot mentality that I have, it makes me think that, you know, the old saying, if it ain't working out, fire your coach, 
the interim coach is going to win a football game. We've seen it happen here at LSU. See Ed Ogeron. And that led to him getting the full-time job. Mickey Joseph, I can't wait to see what he does at Nebraska, but I feel like this is going to be an uphill climb. So I think we got to go with Oklahoma getting the money line over Nebraska. Now we get to another SEC contest at 2.30. You got Ole Miss taking on the Bulldogs of Georgia Tech. I think Ole Miss is going to win this one. It's going to be relatively one-sided, but I don't see this being a more than 64-point game. 63, that's nine touchdowns. If my times tables that are learned in like third grade are correct, 63 points, nine touchdowns, feels like it's a 55-60 point type of game total. I don't see this being an interstate game where you're seeing 70 points or more being put up there. Pick number four. We're going to the NFL for these last two picks. Houston Texans plus 10 versus the Denver Broncos. Broncos country, let's ride against Denver and take the Houston Texans on the spread against the spread because the Broncos one have had a very short week and had a extremely confusing game against a Seahawks team, which we'll get to in a little bit because that was mind-boggling to me. So I think Texas plus 10, I'm not going to take an outright upset on that one because I think the Broncos are going to actually win this game on a short week, but I got to kind of give a slight edge to Davis Mills and crew, which is something I never thought I'd say because Davis Mills had that team looking pretty doggone good early on in the season. So I got to go with the Texans plus 10 against the Broncos. Last one, money line, the Detroit Lions against the Washington Commanders. I got to say, I like the Detroit Lions. They're a plucky underdog, and more importantly, Dan Campbell is my kind of head coach, wanting to bite people's kneecaps off. And there's only so many times you can lose some tough ball games, close ball games. That's basically been the definition of a Lions fan over the last three, four years, especially the last two with Dan Campbell because he's had a ton of games that are like one-score ball games. Eventually, you're just going to break through and win. And I feel like the Commanders, who look sloppy as all get out last weekend against Jacksonville, so I think a one-on-one start for both teams isn't too far away. They played the Eagles extremely tough, so I wouldn't be surprised if they can pull it off against a Washington Commanders team that continually feels a little bit cursed. Now, you place that bet $5. Again, I placed this last night. These are all the odds that I put together last night while I was mapping out the show and kind of writing some things out. I said, this is the bet I'm going to place. I placed a $5 wager like I always do, and I, I'm going $85.19 if all those things hit. And I feel like I'm confident in that one hitting more than some of the other ones that I've done over the last couple weeks because I decided to play a little bit more conservative. That's kind of where I'm landing on that. Let's go ahead and get some other games involving your favorite teams in the state of Louisiana, namely the LSU Tigers. They are actually underdogs right now at plus three against the spread, plus 120 money line straight up. So basically they are 
plus three right now against the spread. Neutral site, this would basically be a pick em. Essentially, if you know how this thing goes and the lines go, that's kind of where these things are. And it makes sense. Both these teams, I feel like, are on the same. We talked about it back in the summer. They are on a similar tier in the world of the SEC. Over under on this game is currently 52.5. I think last night, no, 52.5 was still there. But what I'm interested in is to see how this game plays with the quarterbacks. Because I was looking at the QB props, and the over-under was kind of mind-blowing to me because of the disparity between the quarterbacks. Jaden Daniels' over-under is 199.5. By the way, if it's as high-scoring as I expect it to be, I'd probably wind up taking that over because I feel like 200 is a feasible number. If I were putting money down, I'm not putting money down on teams from the area. That is one of my golden rules. But if you want to throw down some money, throw it down on Jaden Daniels over 199.5. Will Rogers, good player. We talked about him earlier and broke it down with our guy Steve Robertson. Over under for him is 317.5 passing yards. That's mind-blowing to me. But again, personally, I probably... Well, now it's actually over under 325. It was 317.5 last night. That's kind of crazy to think about as well. I'd probably be more comfortable going with the over on Jaden Daniels than I would be on the over cashing for one Will Rogers. Now we get to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They got a big game against the Rice Owls. They're, again, 11.5 point favorites in the contest, over under at 51.5. And I'm talking big time favorites. Not a whole lot of, you know, in game props the way we see with some of these SEC matchups. It makes sense. But a score I'm interested in is what we talked about just a little while ago. The spread I'm looking at is over under for the first half for the Cajuns, 16 and a half. So over under 16 and a half points? Are you kidding me? That's insane. Now, mind you, again, the Cajuns looked like that kind of team. They couldn't score a point to save their life in the first half until after you had the hour-long lightning delay that caused that game to end like almost an hour after LSU routed Southern this past weekend. But that's kind of where I'm at there. So again, 14 and a half in the first half, uh, 16 and a half, excuse me, 16 and a half over under in the first half for the Cajuns. I'd probably lean towards taking the over again. It's minus 105, minus 125 odds. So it's kind of even money in that sense. You'll probably wind up winning a little bit of money on that. But let's go ahead and end this segment looking at the NFL. <clears throat> there we go. Had a little thing in my throat there. So let's get to the saints Bucks ball game. Saints are now two-and-a-half-point dogs at home. That is a tough line to kind of ride. So I'm, I, if I were going with the Saints, I'm going with the money line at plus 120. Over under 44 points between the two teams. I, 
I would say hammer the hell out of that over. Especially with Jameis Winston healthy. And again, Jameis Winston is listed as questionable. If he doesn't start, I'm telling you, don't walk, run to the Bucks money line. Run to the Bucks money line. But right now, I feel like Jameis Winston will be on the field tomorrow. But over under 44, I would gladly take that number all day, every day. And the numbers in terms of over under passing yards, those are what you'd expect. Both of Winston and Brady over under one and a half. That feels like taking candy from a baby right now. If you're putting money down over under one and a half touchdowns, Winston and Brady, I'd probably be more inclined to take the over on Brady. But if you want to make some money, Winston over one and a half touchdowns at plus 100. Give me that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Some other kind of fun, popular props right now that are being thrown around. I think I was seeing touchdown scores a little bit earlier. Somewhere in here. Oh, yeah, here we go. And this is where I was kind of blown away by that you have Leonard Fournette at minus 110 to score a touchdown in this ball game. And I'm going to throw this in there. This is a bold prediction. I'm not going to place money on it, but I'm willing it into existence. I was watching, you know, a great hype video for Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, talking about what it feels like and what it means to be back home in New Orleans. I'm saying it right now. I'm willing it into existence. Saints, defense, special teams touchdown at plus 550. I'm saying right now, Tyron Matthew gets a pick six in his dome coming matchup. That's what I got here. That's how I'm wrapping up the segment. I'm willing that into existence that the Honey Badger gets a pick six in the Superdome. And you're listening to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the Houston Astros and LSU Tigers. Most sports talk shows turn it up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome is far from your ordinary sports talk show. It takes it just one step higher. These guys are laughing. Now back to the show that gets the lead out. Under the Dome with CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD. Got Ross Jackson joining us in about seven or eight minutes. Appreciate you listening in. If you want to enter in to win an Astros weekend getaway, well, you better hurry up because time is running out and you don't want to feel like Les Miles against Auburn in 2016 or Les Miles against against Tennessee back in, what was it, 2007? You don't want to have those kind of days and have your clock management fall apart. So hurry up and go sign up today in the clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free to do, and more importantly, you have a chance to win some fantastic prizes, including a chance to see the Astros take on Tampa Bay on October 1st. And guess what? We'll even throw in a tour of the ballpark and hotel accommodations for that Saturday night because we love you. And by the way, you can sign up right now in the clubhouse. It's absolutely free. So sign up today 
It's the final Astros weekend getaway of the regular season. And those Astros weekend getaways are powered, as always, by Butcher Air Conditioning, Love Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. But my God, like week one of the NFL was insane. I was talking about more with what's going on with the Denver Broncos on Monday Night Football, which, by the way, like that was one of the more frustrating week ones I've had in a while. Because the Under the Dome Fantasy League, I had a good shot at actually winning that. Lost it by about four points. Because again, teams decide to play ultra conservative. Whenever I need them to not be ultra conservative. I don't know why. It continues to happen. Boggles my mind. Oh, and then, you know, I wound up also having the worst luck imaginable because I draft Elijah Mitchell probably middle of the pack. I'd say like fifth, sixth round. I'm like, let me go ahead and get him because I wouldn't mind having – I have a strategy in mind when I do drafts. And what I've stumbled upon in the last couple of years is the triplets. And what do I mean by that? For those that don't know, it's drafting – Three players on the same team. It can bite you in the ass, I guarantee you. But at the same time, it can rack you up a ton of points any other week of the season. Case in point, last year, I had Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and I, if I'm not mistaken, I think I had T. Higgins. So I had those three guys on my team. That wound up being a key to me winning a ton of games by a large margin and just like running away with it. I was glad to be drafting where I was. And I'm also glad because Najee Harris, who was injured, had a foot injury, but he looks like he's healthy, ready to go for tomorrow's contest against the New England Patriots. Jamar Chase, he's probably going to pop off, but I need Russell Wilson to show up. Right now, according to the sleeper app, I'm 57% likely to win this ball game. Now, we'll see what happens when it actually comes right down to it. Because we still got a lot of football left to play. I mean, he the guy I'm playing against had Clyde Edwards Alaire, who had a phenomenal game. Now, not like tearing it up, hitting like 400 yards. No, he wound up having 74 yards, including a 40 yard run that wound up helping cash out and bail out the Kansas City Chiefs in a banger of a Thursday night football game against the the Chargers were looking good, but at the same time, Justin Herbert was getting destroyed. Which is the other thing that I wanted to talk about is what's going on with offensive lines. Because it feels like the, it's becoming a lost art to a certain extent, but also quarterbacks are just getting destroyed right now. You had Jameis Winston. He's dealing with a back injury. He's listed as questionable. I fully expect him to play on Sunday. Now, does he have to spend some time in the blue tent? Who knows? But I'm sure we're going to get the Jameis Winston performance of his life because he's going against a Bucks team that let him go. And more importantly, the last time he played him, he tore his ACL and he was done for the year. I'm sure he doesn't want to have a repeat of that, but also this offensive line for the Saints is missing Teron Armstead badly. Justin Herbert got absolutely demolished 
by the Kansas City Chiefs. Thank God Derwin James didn't pick him up and hit him with a double-A spine buster like Derwin James did to Travis Kelsey on Thursday Night Football. I'm talking, like, when I saw that hit, I was on the pile drive. It was a WWE-style move. Yes, it was. It was damn near Derwin James picking him up and hitting a absolutely beautiful double-A Arn Anderson-style spine buster. And as an old-school wrestling fan, you love to see that kind of play. And it was perfectly clean, perfectly legal, you know, because honestly, we saw a lot of this stuff back in the day in the 70s and 80s where these dudes absolutely got just pushed into the turf. That kind of stuff, I'm all the way here for. Then you got Joe Burrow, obviously, who has been dealing with like offensive line play that is regressed to the mean on another level. I don't know how we continue to see that offensive line. And this offseason, they were building an offensive line for this guy. And what happens? It just completely falls apart. They were getting destroyed by Minka Fitzpatrick and crew. Yeah, Joe Burrow throwing four or five interceptions, turnovers galore. Damn near more turnovers than a bakery. People were giving Jameis Winston all kinds of hell for the amount of turnovers he was given up over in Tampa by the Bay. Joe Burrow was getting the same kind of flack Thank God I didn't have Joe Burrow as my quarterback this year, at least in week one. That's another thing that's got to be fixed from their POV. But it just was mind-blowing to see how many teams have an offensive line that has potential but cannot, I mean cannot, get right. So here's hoping some of the quarterbacks that were absolutely getting dismantled can get better. One team we'll talk about that had their quarterback get dismantled is those New Orleans Saints. Going to talk with Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast and Saints Wire, part of the USA Today Network, next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. You're listening to Under the Dome with CD on your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with Under the Dome with the world-famous CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles right here. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the Astros and LSU Tigers. And we get your chance to see those LSU Tigers as well as the Louisiana Raging Cajuns on the gridiron. And all you got to do is make a trip over to Katiana Bar and Grill for lunchtime today. Because Hannah Five names will be out there at Acadiana Bar and Grill, 327 Iberia Street in Youngsville. You can hang out with the crew and also spin the wheel and make a deal to where you can wind up winning tickets to see the Cajuns or LSU Tigers in a football game this season. So again, go hang out with Hannah Five names at Acadiana Bar and Grill from noon until 1 and enjoy some great college football because obviously the 11 o'clock slate is about to get kick-started. 
and I am loving the fact that that is a thing that's happening in 2022, but also love the fact that we've got Ross Jackson aboard the game hotline, host of the Locked On Saints podcast, also a contributor for the Saints Wire, which is part of USA Today's network. Ross, how you doing, my brother? Hey, brother, doing well, man. Glad to be here with you on this uh, fine Saturday morning. Appreciate you having me on. First things first, did Jameis Winston go full Super Saiyan after inning the blue tent on Sunday? <laughs> it certainly felt that way, didn't it? We got we saw him uh, walk uh, off to the sideline there, go into the tent, and then he came out, and all of a sudden he's going 13 of 16, 213 yards at a pair of touchdowns in the fourth quarter, perfect passer rating. So I, I don't know, you know, he. He didn't come out with the uh, the glowing yellow hair, but maybe he's in one of those deeper forms where you know you just everything kind of returns to normal, but you just are stronger. Exactly, he just got into another. It was amazing to see how quickly he turned it around because you know that offensive line was getting just destroyed from the first drive, and then somehow, some way, Jameis Winston just goes off and has like some of the best drives I've seen him have, not just with the Saints. But I think in his entire NFL career, but obviously he was also dealing with the in, the injury that he's the reason, big reason why he's listed as questionable, and we're all thinking there is a chance he's going to play. Are you concerned at all about the in, injury to Winston? Uh, I mean, I don't think I'm concerned about it in terms of keeping him off the field. It's something to monitor throughout the game to make sure that it doesn't worsen, things like that. You know, with back injuries, things can be, you know, things can go from no concern to escalated pretty quickly. Uh, but, you know, I, I agree with what Rod Walker over at NOLA.com said that you're going to have to effectively strap that man down if you want to keep him off the field in this game going up against this team uh, in in front of the Superdome crowd. Like, it, you're not going to have Jameis. You're not going to be able to keep Jameis Winston at least from off the field from starting this game. But it will certainly be something to watch, keep an eye on, monitor throughout the game. Talk right now, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast and also – part of the USA Today Network through Saints Wire. And going back to the game we had last Sunday with the Falcons, how good was it to see Will Lutz have his first regular season game back? I know he had that that missed field goal early on in the ball game, but I think he redeemed himself in a big way with the game-winning field goal when it mattered the most. Again, the first one was relatively routine, missed one. But then he drills one through the uprights and helps the Saints get a win over their most hated rival. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that you know we we usually talk about when we talk about Will Lutz being healthy going into the season is that you know that's the difference between a, a couple of notches in your win column. Having Will Lutz, you think about last year, the Saints losing two games within double digits. Uh, excuse me, within uh, single digits and within three points. And then you also saw another game with the New York Giants game at home where the Saints had a comfortable lead, but then kind of missed the field goal in order to continue to extend their at that time, build it, and that kind of shifted momentum for them. Will Lutz is the difference for you, and he immediately showed that here week one. Uh, yeah, he missed that. It was a 44-yard field goal that he had missed earlier, but he comes back from seven yards uh, more distance, 51-yarder, to be able to knock that one through, and that's exactly what you know, a difference maker Will Lutz is. Will Lutz will win you games, and last week was an exact uh, sort of example uh, of that. And, you know, I think, you know, you, you got to knock the rust off a little bit. You know, he wasn't able to be out there at all in 2021. He got that kind of miss uh, there, but great to be able to see him come back. The short memory you have to have as a kicker 
and be able to do that in the moment in a very clutch situation to close out that game or, or help close out that game. What's been the vibe like in the locker room this week as you know we've got two guys who are New Orleans natives returning home in Jarvis Landry and the Honey Badger, who, by the way, that hype video makes me convinced <laughs> that the, that Honey Badger is getting a pick six tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly he would love to have that for sure, and Jarvis Landry would love a repeat of last week, seven catches, 114 yards, didn't find the end zone, but, uh, man, was he a contributor, right? The big 40-yard catch down the sideline as well as a couple of other very important and clutch catches, and, and that's what Jarvis Landry brings to you, and both of these guys are very excited. They were excited to go out there and get some reps against the Chargers in the preseason. I can only imagine how excited they are now and to be able to not only do that, but you know, do that against the Atlanta Falcons and be able to do it in front of a, a Superdome that's going to be absolutely packed. Remember, we're only two years away, two years removed from completely empty stadiums, so it's still worth appreciating the fact that people are able to congregate and come to these games again. And uh, for them, that's it's momentous. I mean, this is the homecoming that yeah, I think both of these guys had hoped for at some point in their career, and uh, you know now they get an opportunity to go out there. Both of them immediately making their impacts in in week one, and I think they'll do it again here in week two. I definitely hope so because that would be a great kind of moment. Again, I'm I'm calling it kind of the dome coming for these two guys. Mm-hmm. These two guys have definitely played at a very high level for years, and now they have an opportunity to kind of further their legacy and being able to play for the hometown team is team is always a great thing to see is it uh, with the offensive line performance because again we talked about it earlier James Wins was getting cooked because of the fact that the Falcons were bringing the pressure loading the box a lot early on that ball game is that something we're going to have to continue to, to monitor or was this just a case of an offensive line that just couldn't get their feet from underneath them and also maybe it also makes me really miss one Teron Armstead yeah, I think, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. I, I think Teron Armstead was probably the absence that you missed the most over the course of that game. Um, you know, not a lot of explosive passing plays given up, so you didn't really feel like you missed Marcus Williams as much. And Marcus May and Tyron Matthew for a little while were your leading tacklers, particularly in the run game, because the Atlanta Falcons run game was able to get to that second, third level um, a little bit more often than the Saints defense would have liked. But I think that, you know, you look at the New Orleans Saints offensive line going into that game, it feels like they made a prepared for maybe the primary pressure to come from a different player or come from a different side. And so I think the Atlanta Falcons just did a good job of doing what it is you try to do every week, which is make your opponent do something that they didn't practice for or making them do something that they didn't do in practice. And I think the Falcons did a really good job of that. When it comes to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you kind of know – you know, Todd Bowles has always been an aggressive blitzer. Usually that Tampa Bay defense is up there within top, you know, seven, top five when it comes to blitz percentages uh, since he's been defensive coordinator. Now he's moved into the head coach role, much like Dennis Allen, um, you know, who will be across from him. And uh, I think, you know, this thing should be able to be a little bit more prepared, which will certainly help so that you don't see them adjusting throughout the game like you saw uh, against Atlanta. And, and so then it just becomes a game of who makes the better adjustments because you know if, if the Saints start off handling themselves well against that pressure for Tampa, then Tampa will make the adjustments. The Saints will have to make the adjustments, all this stuff. You know how the game goes. It's just a lot of adjustments, and you're trying to maximize, minimize mistakes but maximize your opportunity of taking advantage of other, other players or other teams' mistakes. And so I think that they'll, they should be able to start off on a little bit of a better foot, but the adjustments and longevity throughout the game are, are going to be tested. And just to real quickly go back to Tyron Matthew and Jarvis Landry, I don't know if this is happening, 
But it wouldn't it be great to see the two of them together lead the Houdat chant tomorrow before the game starts? I don't know who's going to do it, but that would be a really nice kind of cherry on top in terms of that dome coming you were talking about. This needs to happen, Ross. Like I, I, yeah. I don't know what kind of connections you have over at Airline Drive, but we need to get on the horn like <laughs> right after we get off the air here and just be like, guys, if you don't put Jarvis Landry and Tyron Matthew leading the Houdat chant, you're not doing this right at all. You're not doing it right. <laughs> like, how can you not? Like That's the most yeah. – like, it's simple. Yeah, it, w- it would be a really cool moment to see. Um, you know, as long as that's something that Tyron and Jarvis would want to do, I imagine that it would be. Um, and so, you know, but it would be interesting to see how they handle that because there's a lot of different ways you can go with it, right? It's your first game back at home. You can have the starting quarterback do it. You can, you know, everybody was so hyped with, with the return of Mark Ingram last year and him doing it, though, that I feel like the sort of return, I know not to the roster, but to the city, to the state for both of these guys, it seems like they would knowledgeably, they would treat that with the same knowledge. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But that would be really, that would be a, a sweet little uh, moment for sure. Talk right now, Ross Jackson, Locked on Saints podcast and also part of the Saints Wire, a regular contributor for that publication, which is part of the USA Today Network. Meanwhile, you know, what's the biggest key to victory for the New Orleans Saints on Sunday? I think uh, frustrating Tom Brady has kind of been the thing that I've been highlighting. I've heard Cam sort of talk about it. He spoke with us in the locker room about it, about how you try to get him frustrated, things like that. I mean, you know, Cam's you know, played against uh, Tom Brady several times. He's played against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team several times. And so he kind of understands, you know, from a uh, from an experienced defensive player standpoint that you're just you're probably just not going to fool Tom Brady. <laughs> you're probably not going to show him anything that he hasn't seen before. You're probably not going to you know be able to disguise uh, and be able to beat him that way. But if you can if you can force him to be uncomfortable. Um, not allow him to get to the spot in the pocket where he feels most comfortable is something Chris Richard, co-defensive coordinator, highlighted. Dennis Allen highlighting, making him move on from his first read, get to his second and third reads, so that you can get that pressure there and get that pressure home. I think those little things will frustrate him um, and will sort of get him to the point where he is a little bit more frantic, a little bit more willing to move on in the progressions a little bit more. Uh, quickly than maybe he he is, is usually accustomed to doing or has shown a propensity to do, and so I think that you know getting that frustration going is a big part of it. The interior pressure, which will sort of knock him off of that spot in the pocket he wants to be in, and kind of close the gap between him and an edge rusher on either side. I think that becomes key as well. But for the most part, it's just sort of um, affecting the passer in that way in terms of getting him frustrated, getting him uncomfortable. Ross, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and also, more importantly, enjoy the Dome coming tomorrow. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. Seeing you soon. Uh, thanks again for everything and for uh, having me on. Take care and stay safe, buddy. I'll talk to you here soon. Always great to talk with our guy, Ross Jackson. You can follow him on Twitter. If you're not already, I don't know what the hell you're doing. Like, I wonder if you even use Twitter if you don't follow this guy, and that is at Ross Jackson. Nola, dude, absolutely Brings the heat. Love listening to his podcast. Get an idea of what's going on with the Saints, especially the ins and outs on a day-to-day basis. Dude puts in the work. But always great to kind of get some ideas of what's going on with those New Orleans Saints. Again, they've got a lot of injuries. I'm sure Kevin Foote is absolutely over the moon about the fact you have not one, two, three, four, yet six guys that are listed as questionable. The only one that's out is second-year corner Paulson Adebo with an ankle injury. That was kind of expected. 
Everybody else is largely limited in practice. The only one I'd probably be concerned about is going to be Alva Kamara because he did not play the last two games with last two practices, excuse me, with a rib injury. Everybody else is either fully fully practiced at least one day or they were limited practice. Cam Jordan, he was full practice on Friday, so he looks like he's free and clear after having a hip injury limited him for Wednesday and Thursday. So again, I, I think the Saints do indeed win that contest, but I think it's going to be a very close ball game. Offensive line has to step up. Landon Young, he's going to have to step up. Like There's some guys that I want to see how they do in week the leap from week one to week two, how they take a step forward. Because trust me, it does not get any easier from week one to week two. Week one should have been a one-sided ball game, Saints win, and Saints handle business. This is a Bucks team that has everything going in their favor. Now let's try and get this win tomorrow night. If you tomorrow afternoon, if you're the New Orleans Saints, this should be like a Sunday night football game, but it's not. But definitely has the feel of a big game, even though it's week two. Take a quick timeout. Come back with a little bit more before we get to your regularly scheduled programming with Vsin, and more importantly. LSU football at 3 o'clock. The pregame, 5 o'clock, is kickoff. So we'll talk to you about one more take, and then we'll wrap up the show. You're listening to The Game, 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Before we close up shop here on Under the Dome, CD has just one more take to fire off before he drops the mic. Is it going to be a take that lands on the Scoville scale? Or is it going to be as cold as the pizza in your fridge? Let's listen in and find out. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And let me tell you, we had you covered here in southwest louisiana with some lsu tiger football we're your home after all but guess what they got a big game today against mississippi state you'll be able to hear all the action starting at three o'clock with a pre-game show hunt palmer i believe jeremy hill and more importantly hello somebody marlon favorite on the airwaves and then at tiger stadium at five o'clock kickoff will begin that means chris blair and the crew will take over from there that's Mississippi State versus LSU live and in living color from Death Valley. You can hear it right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Tiger Walks will be going down at 250 if you're making your way over there for the big game. 501 is actually going to be the official kickoff time according to LSU Game Operations. We'll wind up just seeing that pop up. All right, one final take here on this Saturday morning. And it's about the Houston Astros. I think this Astros team is going to the World Series. I know it's a little late in the game to give this pick, and I said it months ago, but I am more convinced now than ever that this team is a World Series team. And I'll tell you why. Number one, you have one of the best pitching rotations, I think, all around. Framber Valdez is absolutely on a tear that is, in a historical context, insane. You've got that going for you. Justin Verlander just came off a 15-day IL with a calf injury, threw 
five innings of no-hit baseball. I don't know, five innings, big deal. But here's the thing. That's all he had to pitch. On a pitch count, throwing a no-hitter, that's pretty damn good. Shutting out the A's may not necessarily be a big deal on paper, but at the same time, they have so much potential. Jordan Alvarez hits three dingers. Not a three-run home run, but three solo shots in a game. It's not often you see that happen. Again, historical context says everything is setting up right. And if you know how postseasons go, hottest team wins. And guess what's happening right now? The Astros are getting hot at the right time. Yes, they've been a team that's been on hot streaks all season long, and they've been getting things done. But right here, right now, they're only five games out of a 100-win season. Remember about a decade ago when that Astros team was losing 100 games a year? This is looking good. Now, they've got some obstacles to get over, obviously, with the Tampa Bay Rays. Hell, they got to deal with the Seattle Mariners, a team that's kind of sort of had their number for the better part of the season. It's been up and down. And then whoever's going to come out of the National League, good luck, God bless, because that's an absolute war right now, especially in the NL East with the Mets and the Braves kind of jockeying for position in the NL East. But I feel like it's going to be more likely than not the Dodgers NL to lose. I'm sorry, RP3. That's kind of where I'm leaning right here and right now. We're out of time here on a Louisiana Saturday morning. Appreciate you listening in. We'll be back with you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Anything beyond that, we'll have to let you know because obviously next week's the last week of knowing when an actual broadcast day for LSU is. Because we probably will find out, I think tomorrow or Monday, when LSU kicks off on October 1st, and then we'll have an idea of how everything else works out. I'm I'm telling you now, there's going to be at least one of those games going down on 11 a.m., but thank you for listening in on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. <laughs>